Welcome to Black and Brown, a podcast where three black guys get to share their love of bourbon. We talk about current events, we conduct interviews, and good old-fashioned shit-talking. Our hosts, Bill, Anthony, and Delvin, will keep you informed on what's going down with that brown. On this episode of Black and Brown, we talk to a true rising star in the bourbon industry, the one and only Marianne Eves, who went from intern at Brown Foreman to Kentucky's first female master distiller, all before the age of 30. We chop it up with her about her career, recent projects, and why the bourbon industry needs more women running the show. Okay, let's go. So fellas, tonight we're having Marianne Eves on the Black Brown Podcast. Yes. Wowza! Yeah, Marianne Eves is coming through the Black and Brown studio Dude, I've been waiting for this all day, player. So like, you know, you put me on the neat, and before that, I had never heard of her. And since then, I've been following her, and I'm like the biggest fan. Yeah, so dog. So, um, whenever I first started, you know, drinking bourbon and getting, in, you know, into the spirit, I saw Neat. One of my boys, you know, turned me on to Neat, and I saw that. And then her story just resonated with me. I mean, just her and Freddie, just the, you know, just the whole gambit of those guys going through their process and all that kind of thing. So, I'm so interested in talking to her because, literally, because. You know, watching Neat kind of got me on this bourbon journey. You know what I mean? So it just kind of got me started. So do your homework. There's going to be a test. Do your homework. Yes, sir. You will be tested. I've, I've got like five or six questions I want to ask. I mean, yeah. I don't know about yeah. you guys, but I don't hey, want to monopolize man. the time. But I nah, really, dude. I got some stuff. I hey, gotta I just want to listen, man. I literally want to sit in the background and just listen. And I just, just hope we can stick all the to knowledge. the script that our producer put out. Yeah, no, hey, hey, dog, I'm telling well, maybe you, not. it's going to be some issues with sticking to the script, though. Just telling you right now. <laughs> no, I just, I, you know, I've been following her on Instagram. Bill, I think, honestly, I, I feel like you put me on. Well, yeah, she's, so here. No, she's here. Yeah. Let's let's pull her in and let's talk to yeah, her. Yeah, so, oh, okay. Hey. Oh, there she is. Oh, here you There she is. Hi. Hey, what's going okay? on? Yes, I can hear you great. Can you hear me? Uh, yeah, oh, perfect. Yes, Your audio sounds really good, too. It's yeah, very awesome. good. Excellent. She's a pro. Look at that tree. Is that is that a real tree or a fake tree? <laughs> it's a fake tree. Oh, never yeah, mind. Man. I take fake it back. Fake trees are where it's at. Fake trees are where it's at. That's the only way we do it. We've been doing fake trees for like 12 years. We're yeah, dude. Yeah, man. It's real not trees. a virtual background, though, is it? No. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, that works. <laughs> so thanks for coming on the Black and Brown Podcast. I mean... Uh, yeah, very nice to have you. When when we reached out, I did, I wasn't sure if you'd like be receptive to come on, you know, small podcast, not really knowing us, but that's really cool that you accepted and... You know, come on and talk to us. Yeah, I appreciate the invitation. Thank you. Yeah, no doubt. So, um, so kind of, kind of weird. You're, you're like our first, first, what we would say, like, you know, in the distiller series, our first female distiller, first female master distiller. So we, we're going to get into a little bit of that discussion later on. But the way we like to start the interviews is just a few questions, kind of like to break the ice kind of get to know you a little bit and go from there. So, so the first question we'd like to get into, I mean, I mean, if you want to introduce yourself to the people out there listening who don't know about you, I mean, I talked to someone last night who hadn't seen the movie Neat and it blew my mind. Yeah. If you just want to give them a little background before we get into our, our part of Spill, you can just run that and tell them who you are. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's um, 
A long story short, I started kind of in the industry as an intern for a spirits company. I, I got into chemical engineering in college and really didn't know what I wanted to do with it. I thought maybe renewable energy, biodiesel, something like that, but um, wound up getting an internship at this fantastic company in Louisville called Brown Foreman, makers of Jack Daniels, Woodford, Old Forester. Um, they also make tequila and wine and vodka and other liqueurs. And um, I, I just got this amazing experience in a very condensed period of time, rose up the ranks there to become master taster and protege to Chris Morris at, at Woodford, and then had oh, an yeah. opportunity to, to start a, a whole new thing with two guys who had no beverage experience, but <laughs> a big vision and a lot of passion. And uh, yeah. I, I had a kind of a once in a lifetime opportunity there. And, and when I moved over, had the, the chance to make a, a big step for women in, in taking the title of master distiller and being the first uh, female master distiller in the state of Kentucky since Prohibition. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, that's that's really huge. Yeah. So, I mean, you gave us a little bit of background there. We're going to touch on that like individually as we go through. But for for now, I read an article about you saying at first you, you weren't really into bourbon, kind of like tequila yeah. kind of led you to bourbon, which you're tasting. But what bourbon kind of made you fall in love with the bourbon and then kind of reinforce, you know, that passion for, you know, creating that distillate. When I was working for Brown Foreman, I, I started working in the industry before I really even knew, you know, what, what good bourbon was. Um, but it just so happened that when I started in research and development as an intern, they were looking at uh, developing this new product in the Woodford line called Woodford Double Oat. Mm. And oh, yeah, yeah, I've, I've heard of yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> it's I so had good. Yet. Yeah. Oh, it's delicious. Um, I've got a sweet tooth and it is like the, it's, it's a dessert bourbon for sure. It's got all the sweet notes. It's that heavily toasted second barreling that, that turns it into this like vanilla caramel butterscotch bomb. And, and I think it was, it was that experience that, that was my gateway for sure. Oh, wow. So nice. Woodford double oak was your gateway. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. By the way, I'm so, I'm so curious, by the way. What, so what tequila? Like, so you were a, a tequila girl before? Well, I wouldn't say I was like a connoisseur or anything. Um, I um, I would do like a tequila sunrise or a tequila shot. It, and it also wasn't until I started working for Brown Foreman for her Dura and El Jimador, uh that I really started to appreciate the differences in the pr production process and how special um, those products are. Uh, I was down there and I actually think it was um, my experiences in Mexico that started me on the right track to actually develop my palate for bourbon. So I was talking to one of my colleagues down there while I was working for Brown Foreman and like, hey, you know, why does tequila taste so much better in Mexico when I'm back in Kentucky? <laughs> you know, all I want to do is mix it in a margarita or take a shot. And he gave me two pieces of advice. He said, first, I never discourage anybody from drinking it the way that they want to. So if you want a margarita, fine. Mm -hmm. um, you'll start tasting the, the spirit and, you know, start developing a, an appreciation for it over time, uh, hopefully. And, and the other rule is uh, drink good stuff. So you're not going to ever develop your palate if all you're ever drinking is, you know, the, the bottom right. shelf stuff. Bottom shelf very, yeah, yeah. Man, very good advice. Very good <laughs> advice. All right. All right. So I'm, I'm just going to go on a limb and say your uh, Mexico tequila story is way better than my Mexico tequila story. <laughs> <laughs> For the record. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, 
We'll have to hear that story at some point. I'm sure <laughs> you guys already That's, know it. It's going to end <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I've heard a time or two. Marianne, if you and I become friends, absolutely. So, yeah. Okay. I got it. I got to work my way into the inner circle. That's yeah, good. just a little bit. But by the end of this interview, I'm sure you'll be there. He'll tell I'm you. sure, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I might decide to run for office one day, so I can't have that just kind of percolating out there. Right? We got yeah. the inner circle then. <laughs> so, so the uh, next question, like, you, uh, so being in the industry, you get access to a lot of bottles. Like a lot of people throw bottles your way, but what is that one bottle like or unicorn that you're hunting out there? There's um, a really interesting one from Barrel Bourbon. Um, it's a a um, it's a particular type of oak finishing. I, mm-hmm. Now that you've asked me, I, I can't remember the the specific species of the wood. Yeah. But to me, Barrel Bourbon. Uh, they're doing so many unique experimental things. I, I just always want to try what they're up to. So is it something they're blending that they're putting together? That's, um... Yeah, uh, they don't have a distillery. So everything that they make is a blend of, of different um, uh, types of whiskey, different um, uh, regions of whiskey, and then yeah. they'll do some something unique to it. Or, you know, sometimes it's a just an incredible um, kind of, single source uh, whiskey product, but yeah, they're, they're doing a bunch of interesting things and they have a rum now. Um, huh. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, very uh, nice. yeah, we, we're going to talk about that. I saw some of your photos today on Instagram. You're some rums. You're talking about blending. You see some hashtags out there. Some little like left us like what's going on. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> I was like, what's, what's next? What's happening? Hey, and, and by the way, <laughs> Marianne, you, I don't know if you've listened to our episodes. Like we're not experts. We are enthusiasts. And I can already tell that you are way above us because you said, I don't know what species. Yeah, dude. (laughs) I was going to talk about that later. I was like, species, what? Species of wood, right? So anyway, this is going to be dope. I love it. Yeah, that's that's a little segue. I mean, does it get, I mean, you're a master distiller, so we can pick your brain about this. I mean, we had Greg Metz on from OLK and he gave us some little gems and stuff like that. But does it get that particular when when you're putting together your stuff? Are you looking at, the species of wood and I'm, and I'm geeking out right here because Bill and I talked about this when you were in neat. And when you were talking about everything that goes into what you're doing, you know, we're texting on the phone, we're calling each other like, yo, is it really that intricate? You look Mm -hmm. at that. Well, so so for traditional bourbon, the vast majority of producers are using American white Oak. Right. So they're not going to the level of, of, um, you know, trying these weird different types of um, wood finishings, you know, different global varieties of, of different types of trees. Um, but when I worked for Brown Foreman, they were very experimental, you know, not, not many, a very small percentage of those experiments will ever see the light of day, but it was just so fascinating to me. I think a, a big reason why folks are scared to play with the barrel more mm-hmm. is because a lot of uh, types of wood just can't contain a liquid they don't seal. Right. So, you know, you, you, you try and put something in there and it's just going to leak right out. So that requires uh-huh. some kind of like sealant around it. So that's why you often see people, if they're playing with a different type of wood, it's either staves or chips or cubes or, you know, something like that to get the, get the flavor. Hmm. Two questions. I would, I'd segue when you said that I, I went off on a tangent and I was thinking, forgive me guys, I got to ask this because we have a good source here, an expert. So, uh, we got we talked to Dan Garrison, and he told us about limousine casts. Are you familiar? 
French. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what would that impart? Of course into a she bourbon? is. By yeah. the way. I mean, so what, <laughs> what, would, what would that impart into a bourbon? I mean, because the price he was talking about for getting these barrels was like, what do you say, like eight grand? Thousands. Okay. Yeah. 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 Like eight, eight grand. Yeah. So, I mean, what, what kind of flavor would that put on your bourbon? Do, do you have any idea? I mean. Yeah, I, I've definitely had a, a experience with using French oak versus American oak. It, it it depends a lot on the treatment of the barrel too. Like mm-hmm. typically, French oak barrels are produced for fancy wines, and they don't want the charring. So it's it's you know some different level of of toasting. So they've warmed up the barrel essentially, but they'd never set it on fire. Um, so that a lot of times will impart kind of like a, a marshmallow, mm. very sweet characteristics. That's why that double oaked is so sweet yeah. because it's got a super heavy toast and very little char. Huh. So that, yeah. This so like it doesn't get, it doesn't get quite as spicy or smoky. Yeah. And so is that toast on the first barrel or the second barrel? On Woodford, yeah, they're yeah. they're both toasted. Uh, the first one is not as heavy a toast and a and a heavier char, and the second one is like as far as they can go with toasting and just so the lightest char, because mm-hmm. because they, they still want to be able to call it bourbon, and bourbon has to have that right. char. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, all right. No so sorry. Before we move on, I have a question. Before you get to the last question. I, I do have a question for you. And these guys are going to uh, accuse me of stunting Marianne. I am not, but I, I no, have he's, to. he's oh, stunning. He's I mean, stunning. if he's going to preface he's not stunning, <laughs> he's stunning. Yeah, here it is. Let me, let me, I let have me to frame the belt. question. No, no, yeah. no. Seriously. I have to frame the question for, to land the question. So, Marianne, you may not know this. I am a former professional football player. Oh, yeah. Early I, stuff. I, I played for your favorite team, the New York Football Giants. <laughs> and, and, and all right. And, and there's a specific reason why I have to say that. So when I watch football as a prof, as a former professional, when I watch a game, I can't sit down and enjoy the game because I'm like, you know, I'm analyzing the defense and I'm, I'm, I'm watching this and blah, blah, blah. And I'm, I'm curious for you as like this celebrity master distiller with this incredible palate. Is it the same for you when you're tasting bourbon? Like you can't just sit down and enjoy it because you're, trying to analyze everything about it right yeah good question man i was yeah that was a good question i was waiting for you to get to it dog thank you yeah 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 yeah. you (laughs) set that up really well dog yeah he set it up nice It's interesting, you know, it just kind of depends on the setting that I'm in, the frame of mind that I'm in. If I'm if I'm going to a, a restaurant and having a nice dinner, I'll, I'll typically go for a cocktail versus, you know, sitting there and ordering neat, neat bourbon. So that, mm-hmm. I guess maybe that's how I, I separate myself from, um, you know, work mode. Instead of tasting it neat, uh, I'll, I'll go for some kind of fancy cocktail, whatever the mixologist, you know, wants to create. I love tasting different flavors in that way, too. And I'm definitely not a mixologist, so I can't you know <laughs> get real uh, <laughs> technical about breaking it down um, but yeah if, if I'm going to visit a distillery for the first time and just tasting their spirits I'll, I'll you know I'm definitely more aware of the experience with respect to like hmm I bet they're distilling it this way and you mm. know maybe it should have been in the barrel a little bit longer or yeah. I wonder you know how how they're what they did for their filtration process and yeah for for sure I'll I'll start thinking about that but but once I get past that if it's a good bourbon I I can I can enjoy it that was a great answer number yeah. one yeah. yeah number two 
I guess my version of a mixed drink, like to get out of work mode, would be to watch like arena football or something. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just, I was asking, I was like, have you ever tasted cornbread? But JMU football. I mean, cornbread? Yeah. Have you ever gotten that flavor in bourbon? Oh yeah, yeah. The, those um, corny notes for sure. Yeah. And it, it um, oftentimes will, will come through if the barrel entry proof is real high and the corn percentage is real high and yellow corn more so than, than any other type of corn. Yellow corn has got like the most kind of Frito chip corny flavor. Wow. Have wow. you guys had white dog new distillate? Yeah. Um, oh yeah. yeah. I haven't. Well, you mean like any white dog? Yeah. Any white dog. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, had, yeah, yeah, yeah the Hudson yeah. whiskey. I've had that, that white dog. Yeah. 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 So you and guys, we may, and we might have had a night with Jeff Mattingly at Bourbon Thirty. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, not, that guy. Yeah, huh? yeah, that, that seventy-year-old bourbon that he gave us, or that white dog he gave us. It tasted like water, and I'm not saying yeah. that did happen, but you know, yeah, 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 it did happen. Allegedly, that happened. Yeah. So, Here, yeah. so the la- the last question we have, like, I don't know if you've followed us on Instagram, list or anything, but we we came up with a hashtag um, hashtag Bourbon sounds like because with the palate, the nose. We feel like bourbon has an ear, you know. So when you're drinking your bourbon, what what kind of song or artist does that invoke for you? So when you say when I'm drinking my bourbon, like stuff that that I've actually made that you yeah, that maybe. you've made that you like mm-hmm. that you enjoy, yeah. maybe yeah. something specific. Give us yeah. give us one of your projects and tell us. <laughs> give us give us your Mount Everest. Oh jeez. Um, <laughs> I I was born in Tennessee, raised in in Kentucky. So country music is is kind of part of my uh, growing up, I would say. Yep. Yeah. I think. Who do you like? Hey, oh God! No, Lord, he's a guitar. Come on, Marianne. Who do you want me? He he was Talk playing Chris Stapleton. He was playing Talk Chris Stapleton last time with Dan Garrison. So right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think um, some something that 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 puts me in a bourbon drinking mood is Brad Paisley. What song? I think uh, like Mud on the Tires. <laughs> Mud uh, on the tires. She, she's everything. <laughs> Bill, <laughs> from I, Zappiness. I yeah, yeah, I got it. <laughs> Mud on the Tires and what now? She's everything. Marianne, can you everything. sing? Do you sing at all? I, uh, when I was in high school, I was in the show choir, but I haven't, I haven't, except for like church <laughs> choir. I, I don't, don't, not publicly. Okay, so you're going to give got, us a couple of bars. Maybe, if you guys do a duet, we're definitely dropping the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Only if you promise to put the music behind it. <laughs> yeah, you would definitely put the music behind it. I, I love that. So I think that, is that our first country music answer on the show? That's actually our first country answer on the show uh, i yeah. think it is yeah i think it is that's the first one supreme fantastic, fantastic. Is. yeah so we gotta we always gotta... good to be first no oh, yeah. <laughs> first that's two first for you first two first for that's right there it is it's a two first <laughs> i don't know which one you're more proud of marianne i know right <laughs> well this is maybe first. maybe brad will hear your uh, your podcast and make some bourbon together who knows does he make that would bourbon? Be great. I don't think so. I don't no. think he even drinks. 
Well, a lot, of wrong about that. To, a lot of artists are trying to diversify now. I mean, you, you, um, that, that leads us into our discussion. I mean, you, you work with Sweet and Coves, those guys, mm-hmm. um, blending their stuff. How did, how did that come about? Can you tell us how that developed? Yeah. So basically just two of the 40 investors in that project reached out to me. Um, they had already purchased the bourbon that they mm-hmm. wanted to make into their first release. Um, they had it transferred from Kentucky where it had been aging back to Tennessee. So they, you know, they kind of say it was, it was in Kentucky, but it was made in Tennessee. So they were bringing it back home uh, kind of like they did with me. I was born in Tennessee, but spent a lot of time in Kentucky. So they wanted to bring me back home to Tennessee. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, So they, they had it stored at this distillery down in Tennessee called the Tennessee distilling company. And it's not very widely known. They, they kind of stay under the radar, but they, do a lot of uh, blending and bottling and, and aging and distilling for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were talking to them and they're like, hey, you know, we, we have this product, but we really want to make sure that it it stands apart from, from other products on the market. So we're looking for a blender. Bonus points if they're they have any connection to Tennessee because they really wanted it to be a Tennessee proud yeah. kind of brand because well, of the, the golf course. Yeah, home run. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> I mean, come on, well, knock out of the park the first try. Yeah, for real. <laughs> It was funny because I, I think that um, when the distillery first recommended me, they didn't really know who I was. Um, and we what? we got on the phone and they were like, all right, you know, we, we've heard about you. You know, we've, we've been told that we should reach out to you. What is your process? Like, what, take us through it. And I told them and they're like, okay, great. Sounds great. Let's do it. <laughs> and then, and then uh, we get to the point where it's time to like release the product. And the PR lady was like, oh my God, this is so easy. Everybody knows you know who Marianne is and it's yeah. giving the, the product some credibility and then I think they were like oh we want to do more stuff with you and, yeah. and maybe we should like pay you some more money too and I was like right. that's well, hey, hey, good hey, hey. Cut the always check. has to get yeah. more money so you said it's, it's 40 investors I think the most well known is Peyton Manning and I think right. um, the tennis guy and Andy Roddick right if I'm Andy not Roddick, mistaken uh-huh. yeah yeah and there was somebody else I think maybe one of the sports casters um, yeah Jim Nance was oh Jim Nance yeah, uh-huh. exactly. Yeah, but 40 people. But I mean, hey, the folklore wow. behind it is golf involved. You know what I mean? So yeah. it ties yeah, yeah, yeah. in the golf and bird. Yeah, right, right, right. Hey, and by the way, for the record, and this is a stunt, um, I'm 1-0 and o versus Peyton Manning. For the record. <laughs> so <laughs> look it up, 2002. 2002? Right, so, <laughs> I'm old, man. What can I say? You're not that so, old, man. So, so Marianne, um, Sweetens Cove is a golf course. Can you get us on? What's up? It's only uh, a nine-hole course. It's only yeah. nine holes. It's only nine holes? It's only it's nine, nine holes. holes. Yeah. So we just holes. play it twice. There you go. Okay, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you get some bourbon course. while you're there. But yeah, I guess that the, makes it seem like an 18-hole course is on the first first hole you take a shot of bourbon. Yep. <laughs> so what's, what's, the proof of, what's the proof of Sweetens Cove? Well, it varies. So the first release, um, I made five different batches. They were yep. all at, at cast strength. So they were, oh, each nice. one was different. Okay. Uh, but it, it's, it, it's funny because they, they all lost proof in the barrel. Uh-huh. So they're all between 100 and 104. Oh, wow. Uh, so, so how does that happen? So how does that happen? I mean, how do you lose proof in the barrel? Because I always thought you gained proof. So how did, I mean, how did that work out? I know. It's so interesting. My experience coming from Kentucky is that nearly everything gains proof. Um, But these barrels, 13 years old, um, I I, I don't really know, honestly, much about their Uh, history. They were um, 
made in Tennessee. I don't know if they were aged there for any length of time before they got to Kentucky or how long they were aged in Kentucky. Um, but at some point they, they made it back. And from what I understand, it's common for barrels to lose, lose proof in Tennessee. I don't huh. even think I had that experience when I worked for, for Jack though, working for Brown Foreman. And, and, yeah. and it's strange too, because, and over the f whole lot of a hundred barrels, you'd have some that were in like the low nineties and then right. some that were like, you know, 118 or, or one, sorry, 108 or 110, something mm -hmm. like that. So it, it's two barrels that could be right next to each other in the warehouse. So it depends a lot on the, the wood, the barrel itself. And I don't right. know if you all know this, but you can only get one barrel from one, uh, you, from one oak tree, you can only get one barrel. Oh, wow. So really, for an entire tree, you get one barrel. Mm -hmm. What? Wow. I did not know oak that. tree, you get oh, one wow. barrel because they use such specific parts of the tree. It can't yeah. have any knots. You know, it's, it's got to be perfect. All right. Let wow. me ask you this. How did my mom get so many switches off the tree? I mean, how did that? <laughs> <laughs> she was a freaking miracle worker, dude. Uh -huh. <laughs> I think that was the peach trees, though. <laughs> By the way, yeah. I love that Marianne is from the South, right? Because she knows what a switch is. Like, I didn't have to explain that. <laughs> <laughs> that's universal that's universal i think it is yeah so, so you mentioned a little bit at the beginning when we talked about it um the beginning and how you kind of um got into bourbon no you didn't plan on being like a rock star of a distiller and the way you kind of hit it so was was a lot of that based on mentorship or you just kind of opportunity based and you saw that opportunity you seized it and bounced into it because i mean you know, we read a little article and we've gone through this stuff. Like when you walk to a situation and people don't expect you to be in the position you're in, you know, they're kind of like, well, when's the other person getting here? Mm -hmm. You know, take us through how that kind of helped with the mentorship, how you got into where you are and then how you kind of got to the master stiller role. Absolutely. So when I started working for Brown Foreman, I, I didn't know if I was, you know, going to stay there or not. I just got this awesome internship. You know, I was a 21 year old college kid. I was, I was a non-traditional college kid. So I didn't go straight into yeah. um, school from high school. I took a, a year and a half off to help my mom open a business and I really didn't know what I wanted to do. So oh, wow. I, I got hired. By the way, they call, they call that a gap year now. Gap year. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, a, that's a thing now. Yeah. yeah. It is a very interesting thing. Yep. I'm glad to know that it's become a thing and people well, are scared of it. Well, you made it a thing, actually. You, you yeah. made oh, it a thing. Oh, did I? Yeah. <laughs> they kind of they kinda encourage that for kids now. Yeah, exactly. Oh, find, that's good. Find yeah. yourself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's always a mom and dad's money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I took that time off. I, I needed it. Um, yeah. But, you know, the other moms, my friends' moms, were just sure that I was never going to go to college because I, I took that time off. But we showed them. Yeah. <laughs> So I got this amazing internship. This woman named Nancy Warfield was over the, the internship program. Yeah. And she, I give her a lot of credit for the, the way that I was able to navigate that big corporation mm -hmm. and the way that I grew in, in my career there. They have an amazing focus on diversity and education and promoting from within. But, you know, I was a extremely, I still am very introverted, um, but I've, I've learned to be extroverted. And, mm. and when you get me in a, wow. in a space talking about that. bourbon, I just love it so much. You can hardly <laughs> yeah. shut me up. We have to, we have to, we have to work on William. He's kind of, yeah, dude, uh, yeah, I'm, yeah. yeah, I'm like kinda, a turtle. Got to get you guys out of your shell a little bit. <laughs> I hear you. I'm yeah. I, I remember. Too. Whatever. Yeah. So, um, I 
was very, very introverted, and uh, Nancy was always, you know, putting me up for for these different um, opportunities and and uh, projects, and um, encouraged me to get in, involved in these employee resource groups and in setting up, you know, making plans for they they call them fun at four. Mm-hmm. Essentially, it's a reason for everybody to get together and drink and celebrate one of the brands that that Brown Foreman owns. So so definitely it's not a bad yeah, thing. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. So um, I got known for um, that some of that involvement and and also. So um, I just happened to get really lucky at these things too. So the, one of the first ones, and, and I think the people started hearing my name. They're like, oh my God, Marianne won that thing again. <laughs> so I, got, I got this huge basket full of like all of the brands that Brown Foreman owned. That was wow. like the grand prize. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so I was in I was still in college and then we're like, well that should last oh, you a wait, couple you weeks. A popular yeah. person yeah. on campus. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then um, I won like an iPad and they're like, All right, um, Marianne needs to stop getting raffle tickets. Oh wow. <laughs> so it was wow. it was that was funny. Um, but you know, I I really started to grow my confidence and just being around people and talking to people that I didn't know. And that kind of grew into being able to stand in front of people. And and I was actually doing uh, presentations at the end of it about how to give presentations, which I never, you know, would have saw myself doing and being an an introvert, um, standing in front of people and and talking to them. like voluntarily. Yeah. 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 Very nice. And you've done a TED talk, which is like, that was fantastic. I watched it last night. So that's you did. Yeah. Very good. I think that probably the most interesting public speaking kind of PR thing that I've done was, was being on the Steve Harvey show. Mm-hmm. What? Uh huh. So, oh, okay. so they had this female groundbreaker uh, episode, and so they they wanted me to lead him you know through what? a yeah, tasting. Yeah, I saw that. Yes, I saw that. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. How, how how was Steve with the tasting though? Yeah, Devil's he, got some Steve experience. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> yes, he, that's right. He was on Family Feud. I, I was on Family Feud this year, so I have some oh, Steve Harvey stories too. Yeah. Yeah. So hey, he. Yeah, definitely check him out. Yeah, definitely yeah, check him out. I will. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna Google that. Just, just remember yeah. beanie weenies. Just that's put that in, you your, put in your mind. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah. So I, I was sitting back in the in the green room, and you know it's probably like this on on any big talk show, but I had never been on one before. So I was just in this green room for hours and hours and hours. And the producer would come in and then her helpers would come in and they would keep going through the script with me. Like they had written out a script, mm-hmm. which I wasn't used to, but they kept telling me like, it, it's your job to keep Steve like on track and on time. Your job. <laughs> I know. Right. And then I got out there on stage and, and he's just like, you know, cutting up with the audience and, and right. trying to get them to laugh and get their reactions. And he just, you know, completely like turns away from me and starts, um, uh, pretending like one of the cinnamon sticks I put out is a cigar, and <laughs> you know, I was just like, "All right, I'm just gonna sit here and smile at you until until yeah. we, you know, start talking again." <laughs> no, it was Yo, fun, and Steve though. is definitely a cognac guy. I mean, I I don't know that to be certain, but I he would put Henny. money on it that he's yeah. a cognac guy. Yeah. yeah, something that that didn't make it in the cut of like the final editing um, was he he was like, "Tell me what the the highest price bourbon is." And that, that sounds like something a cognac guy would ask. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. 100%. And he loves wow. his cigars. I've seen him out there with cigars, like, you know, smoking. Wow. Yeah. So, no, so 
University of Louisville and not Tennessee. Right. Like, how does that happen? Well, I, I was born in Tennessee, but we moved up to Kentucky when I was really young. And oh, okay. actually, so my, I, there's three in my family. I'm the middle of three. Oh, uh, wow. My, my youngest sister actually went to college first. <laughs> <laughs> what? So she, yeah, so she went straight out of, of, um, okay. of high school, went to L and dad, because she's the baby, um, he was already paying for her college. So it's actually kind of uh, nice that it worked yeah. out this way because then he was like, all right, um, if you go to L and choose a degree that, that can actually make you some money, I'll pay for yours too. So. Oh, wow. Oh, nice. And That's, I know this hey, wasn't a hey, chemical engineer. Here we go. Yeah. Right. And, and, <laughs> this, and this wasn't in our, this wasn't in our, our list of questions that we were going to ask you, but I am sure you have some fantastic Kentucky Derby stories. So Oh, I worked a lot of Kentucky derbies. All right. We'll save that. We'll save yeah, that. Yeah, my, yeah. I'll tell you my Mexico story. You tell me your Kentucky derby stories. We're going to get those now, though, right? We're going to get those for no. this interview? Come on, man. We're going to get mine. Now. I mean, but, at, at least on one good Kentucky derby story. <laughs> at least one. One. <laughs> Maybe just one. So okay. I, um, I worked Kentucky derby as a – high school marching band uh, participant as a fundraiser. Uh-huh. And then while I worked wow. for Brown Foreman so what you know, as the master did, did chaser, the mellophone, so it's the marching French horn. Yeah, I played baritone in the band, so I'm right there with you. Uh, did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been mellophone. standing wow. next to each other. Yeah, cheers. <laughs> cheers. Yeah. Killing it. My daughter plays the flute. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. My best girlfriends yeah. played flute. Okay. That's awesome. So there's nothing wild that happened at the Kentucky Derby? You're just you know, in the band, chilling, nothing... No, nobody well, ran across the infield. Does that happen? Oh, plenty, plenty. So one of, one of my uh, one of the most interesting things that happened while I was working there uh, as a band student. So I was in the infield working a lemonade stand, like lemonade and pretzels. <laughs> uh, no booze. You know, we weren't doing that because we were kids. But this guy walks by and he has a like stack, like uh, t- like probably like I don't know eight feet tall, 10, 7, 8, 9, 10 feet tall, whatever. <laughs> but these are just, you know, mint julep glasses. Oh, oh wow. One of yes. the next. And he trips right in front of our lemonade stand. <laughs> Game <laughs> and over. And they go, they go flying, yeah. And she's like, you probably could have got some money for those. Because at the end of the day, everybody comes by and they're like, we're looking for mint julep cubs. You, can you tell us where we can find one? Oh, wow. And one, yeah. one guy – he had been in the infield, the, the winner circle, I guess, and, and got one of the roses off of the, the winner. And he's yeah. like, I will give you this rose if you can find me a mint julep cup. And I went like what? scouring the, the oh, planet wow. for one. I wow. didn't find one though. So wow. what is it? Are they, are they that much in demand? We'll find out next year because we're definitely going next year. Yeah. I have one. I have are they one. just, are it's they not. different designs every year? Yeah. Every year oh. it's a commemorative. Oh, I'll send got you it. one. Got it. I'll, I'll send you, I'll send you one. Send you. Yo, what, what is this? Is this the stunt show? The stunning hour. The I mean, stunning hour. Shoulder shrug emoji. <laughs> by, by the way, I mean, now we got to get a band camp story. So you open oh. up that can. Of work. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. kidding. I'm kidding. Well, it's one time at band camp. Uh-huh. Camp right, Crescendo. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> it really is called Camp Crescendo. <laughs> We're way off now. So pulling it back to the interview. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, Bill, you want to get in on Camp Crescendo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One, one, one question. So, like, for me, man, neat just resonated with me. So, yeah. you know, early on in my bourbon, I guess, um, game, I guess you can say, 
um, when I watched Neat, it's just really, I mean, your your story and Freddie's story just resonated with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how did that come about? I mean, how are you, you know, chosen to interview for that? I mean, were you already a rock star, you, you know, whenever they came to you or how did that happen? Well, they, they, they did reach out to me, um, but I, I'm not sure if they really knew where they were going to take the documentary at that time. Right. They knew that they wanted it to be different. They wanted it to be more forward-looking than, than just talking about the, the tradition and the history of, of bourbon, because that was, right. you know, every documentary was just talking about the history of it. Sure. Um, but so, you put, you know, I mean, but you brought some really history, you know, historic facts in there, though. Right. Yeah, I mean, you... I, mean, <laughs> I know you, a little I mean, bit about it. Oh, man, it was, it was fantastic. Man. That documentary is fire. Yeah. And and, and Bill really well is a done. super fan, by the way. Like some would say yeah. fan. Yeah. Like, like you mean, might yeah. want to check your bushes at night when you come home. Yeah. I got a story for you later. So. I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna tell it now. Can we, I know no, no, what no, 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 you, no. You gonna tell it later? Yeah. No, I'll let her it. answer the question first. Yeah, let her answer. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead, Mary. We apologize. Yeah, so so they reached out to me. They were talking about kind of their vision for it. We were chatting about it. Um, mm-hmm. We we started interviewing basically when I was first out there at Castle and Key and building it. So um, it, if you go back and look at it, like I go from brunette to blonde, and yeah. it goes back and forth between you know at the beginning when I was first building the thing and that that green jacket. Um, yeah. If you look behind me, there are still like broken out windows and vines coming into the building. It was. Yeah. I thought that was like part of the um. What what is it? What what's the word I'm looking for? Part of part of the atmosphere or that they oh, were trying they to portray. Just said it. You thought they? Yeah, said I thought it that was part of the set. Like, they yeah. did it that way. You know when they did it. Because, <laughs> so I, I watched it a few times. I, I'm not going to cut you off, but you see all that every time you rewatch it. You see something different. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Absolutely. It it was just interesting because I I hadn't seen any of the footage, not cut or really uncut, um, before I went to go see the premiere. So Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, you know, we interviewed, I don't know, seven or eight times over the course of two years. They got a lot of footage of me saying a lot of weird stuff. Like they could could put whatever they wanted to together and make me look many different uh, ways. Um, But I was just so, so pleased. And it yeah. was funny. One of my friends in Lexington, just a, a little funny story, came up to me after the premiere of it and said, wow, Marianne, I had no idea that you love corn so much. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and like little did he know, that's actually the part of the film where I started crying. <laughs> wow. That's funny. Wow. No, you were great. You were great. Yeah. No, it was Thank fantastic. You. It I mean, was Bill, Bill do you want to touch on your story? Because I want to take No, it. I was going to save it to the end. I was, was yeah. going to save it to the end. All right. Get, so so we have you, time. You, you brought up Castle and Key, and that's been a question that was on our minds, and I'm sure everybody's mind. And I actually reached out to you. Um, right after I saw the exchange when you put on Instagram about they made their post about the redemption rye and then kind of how, kind of how they downplayed your involvement with the whole thing. So if you would, if it's not, if it's something you don't want to talk about, we will, we'll accept that. We'll move on because I, yeah, because, um, yeah, yeah, because Anthony, I put a, I put a meeting, um, uh, calendar appointment for your bourbon to come out. Yeah. We uh, set a calendar for your, for your bourbon coming out at Castle and Key. We were going to be there when it released. We already set that day that we were going in the future. So yeah, we were kind of wondering, you know, why why you took. I mean, I'm sure you were in high demand with other opportunities, you know, because you're dope. But you know, what was the reason for the parting of the ways? If you want to share that with the listeners and us, of course, being big fans of yours, if you want to tell us about that, um, just a little bit, because that exchange to me kind of really um, didn't really give you your just respect. 
No, that it, it stung a little bit to read um, that particular comment. You know, I, I 100% didn't think that I was going to be in any of the marketing. In fact, that, you know, that wouldn't have been fair to me because I'm not employed there anymore for them to benefit or, or use my name and the notoriety that I've been built since then um, mm. to promote their product. Um, but I, you know, I, I didn't expect them to put a post up that basically says, you know, she helped with things and we <laughs> yeah, did she, everything else. She hung out here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she, she helped yeah, yeah, she was at the beginning here. a little bit. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, I'm exceptionally proud of the product that I made there. And for four years, that was my life. Um, I ran, ran myself into the ground. It was mentally and emotionally exhausting. Um, I gave everything to the distillery and the product that I was making because I really believed in what I was building and that I was creating a legacy for me that would live on. Mm -hmm. and, right. and it just came to a turning point where I had to make a decision and um, I chose, you know, what was best for me at that time. And I, I still believe that I made the best decision for me. Um, yeah. I, I, can't say you know in, in too much detail what the specific situation was but right. um it, it just we didn't agree on some things and there was a, a misalignment there between the vision for the company and um i had been thinking up to about a year before i made the decision to to resign that there was a greater opportunity for me out there in the industry so even if i hadn't um, decided to fully leave, I, I would have been looking for a way to create some flexibility within my responsibilities to allow me to do some consulting type work. Yeah, right. It just happened that, you know, I <laughs> I made a, you know, complete cut and, and that allowed yeah. me even more time to start looking for other ways to, to get involved with the industry outside of Kentucky and, and outside of the U.S. Yeah. So that leads me to my second question. So um, what you're doing now, the, the Eve's Blind, I mean, just just the visuals of it is dope. That packaging, the the Glen Karens that are black. So what I read of it a little bit from my understanding, and you can explain it a lot better because this is your baby, basically, is you're teaching people how to taste the spirit. Is that yeah. right? <clears throat> At the core of it, you know, it, it, it's an opportunity for people to kind of come along with me. The, the genesis of it, I guess, is the, the way to say it. It was around um, trying to find a way to bring people into the, the idea of building a mobile laboratory. Mm -hmm. So my partner owns a circus. We're constantly yeah. moving around. So I need to have a, a workspace there where I can continue to be creative and, and support my clients. Um, so building something that can take people on this journey with me. And, and actually, you know, the, the time that I spent before I made the decision to leave Castle and Key, I had a little bit of an aha moment. And I think through the tasting kit, while I'm not um, disclosing the sources of, of the bourbons until the end of it, mm -hmm. um, I think having that experience and the way that I'm putting it together will give people a similar kind of aha so this is just not a one-time thing. This is going to run. So this is going to be like a bourbon club, basically, where you're tasting these bourbons along with you. So it's a, a full year 
of okay. of tasting kits. So each season you'll get two different um, bourbon blends. So I'm um, you know not not disclosing where they're yeah. from. I've actually already right. you know selected that the sources for those, and I'll start blending uh, next month in about a month. Um, but yeah, I I think a big thing about it it's the chance to taste these unique um, bourbons that I'm going to be blending just for the, the program for people to taste for the first time. Mm-hmm. And through that experience in the black glasses, the, you know, the um, totally like blind experience, um, hopefully you'll be able to start to unlock some of the potential in your palate that you may not have even known was there. Yeah. Um, tasting something without the visual gives such a different, more thoughtful experience. Um, and, and to have, you know, someone that that's done it for a little while guide you through, I think is a unique experience, but, you know, not just leaving it at the, the tasting part, actually bringing in education about the spirit. I'm tying um, technical details, my engineering brain, uh, you know, about the process into the flavor. So yeah. talking about, you know, com- the, the complete um, – uh, understanding of if I do this in in the production or the grain selection, then it may turn into this actually in the glass, and and I'll show you examples of that, and you'll taste them. Wow, that, that is awesome. dope! That is, oh up. my goodness, I was <laughs> I, mean, I, I was yeah. speechless. Yo, I'm so fired up. <laughs> Me too, so man. So, so you, because you know, that was my question. How can you know? You know, since you know, Devin mentioned earlier, you know, we're really new to this, and we're right. you know, we don't really have that sophisticated palate, you mm-hmm. know. So I guess doing what you were saying, kind of you know, help us develop that, right? Absolutely, for sure. Yeah, awesome. yep. There, there's two levels. So there's the apprentice level, which is just the the blended bourbons, and then there's the aficionado level, which has single barrel bourbons in the kit as well in addition to um, some water samples that are matched for each particular single barrel. So I'll be doing like dilution exercises and and really helping people to to taste um, in different parts of their palate and and start to really be able to pick apart some of the the different flavors of of these different styles of bourbon in different different places. So how how exclusive is this going to be? Like how, like if the the regular guy who loves to drink bourbon wants to be a part of this, like how hard is it going to be to get access to this program? Well, it, uh, memberships are still open right now. I'm planning to keep them open until the end of the year. There is a possibility I might extend it into January, but I'm I'm keeping it I'm keeping it small. Um, some of the the folks that I've been talking to, they're like, "Wow, you're only you know releasing 500 of the the kits, depending you know all, across both levels," um, because I really want it to be an intimate um, experience. Like I can actually interact with the folks. Um, who are involved at uh, the aficionado level members uh, get access to a live stream tasting that oh, wow. we'll do and they can participate in and be active with me. You know, if they, if they can't actually be there the time that it's streaming, then it's recorded and you know, you have access to that afterwards too. But I'm excited to see uh, how people react to it. What information is, is really exciting. And, and <laughs> I was talking to this woman named Heather Green, Heather, was the 
world's first whiskey sommelier, and she worked at the Flatiron Grill in New York. Oh wow! Um, very oh, okay. impressive, very impressive woman. But but she was uh, we were ta- we were sitting down ch- chatting the other day because she's down here in Texas, and she said, you know, I don't even know sometimes you know what what's interesting to people. Like um, you know, if if we were to start a, a podcast, like I'm just gonna sit there and ramble about yeast, but I don't know if people really <laughs> want to know about yeast. <laughs> I want to <laughs> know I about love it. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. me, yeah, me. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, you're talking to three dudes who just said, hey, let's start a bourbon podcast. And people were like, hey, we're listening. So there's people yeah. out there who want to know about the yeast. Yeah, I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm telling you. Three of us right so, here. <laughs> so, so Marianne, of course, you know, for our listeners, they should, they should sign up for your program, of course. But there's a limited number of people. So what, what, what advice would you have for our listeners out there who don't get access to your program to, like, develop their palate? I was just talking about this yesterday. I think that one very important thing to help develop your palate is just having thoughtful tasting experiences. Like when you're going out to eat, you know, and when you're drinking anything, just paying attention to what those flavors are, Um, particularly in food, because, uh, uh, you know, you they say that bourbon has, you know, over 200 different individual flavor compounds and, and those can break down even further. Like if it's a a citrus fruit, is it lemon? Is it lime? Is it, you know, one of the million different types of, of orange? Is it the, the flesh of the orange? Is it the peel? Um, You know, and you can't describe a flavor unless you've experienced it. And that's something like with wine too, like you you can actually pull out (laughs) a, a wilted violet note. If you don't know what a wilted violet uh smells like or tastes like i mean not that you should go chew on you know wilty flowers but (laughs) (laughs) that would be more of an aroma but (laughs) (laughs) so 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 marianne what's the like what's the craziest note you've ever gotten oh um well i've got some really surprising ones i think circus peanut is one that i was circus peanut yeah, so not just a regular peanut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Circus <laughs> peanut. Circus peanut to me. Yeah. Not the baseball game peanut. No, 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 no. no. Not, yeah, not like, baseball game, but circus. It's like those orange puffy candy peanuts. Oh, those. Okay, I can. Yes, yes. yes. It's oh, I don't know oh, sugar. what the flavor oh, is supposed sugar, to be. Yeah. Yes. yes. Oh, yes. sugar. Yes, I got that you. one's a weird one that I get sometimes. Uh, and can I can I ask you? And I don't want to put you on the spot, but is there any specific like product that you got the circus peanut that you can think of offhand? <laughs> I'm curious. When it was just recently, uh, it might have been a wild turkey. Oh, it have been. It's not a bad thing. It's not a bad note. Yeah. It's yeah, just yeah, something yeah. that fans. pops up we're occasionally. No, 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 no. <laughs> was it the ma- Master's Keep? No, no, I don't think no. so. No, it no, I haven't but, actually tried nah. that one yet. Oh, yeah? <laughs> oh, wow. We'll, we'll, we'll send we'll you a sample. Up. Yeah, we'll send we'll you some samples. Yeah. Marianne, we got you. We got they you. took Thank care you. of us. Yeah. <laughs> that, I just lost my I lost my question when you asked the circus peanut question. Circus yeah. peanut. It's because the most, I mean, you know, for the brothers, I mean, you know, we get caramel, vanilla. Yeah, vanilla. That's yeah. about it. Some you know, every now and then I'll get collard greens. Yeah. Maybe... I got, I got pear. I got pear from one bourbon from a Rough Rider. Ooh, from yeah, nice. I got pear. I've gotten raisin. That's a good I've one. Raisin a Ooh, times. Yeah, that's a good one. Sweet. That's yeah. a good one. I know what it was. I know what I want to ask you. So, so with your with your partner, your partner has a circus. 
and you travel a lot. So I saw in an article, you said when you're traveling around, you're trying to start a connection with other females, distillery, distillers, or you're trying to create that network. So we talk a lot about diversity and inclusion in our podcast. This is basically what we, we try to drive for it. You know, more brown and black faces, more women in the industry. So was that, is that one of your additional goals to the Eve's Blind to try to get more women included in it? Can you talk about that a little bit and how you're driving that initiative? I am so excited because I've, I've been writing um, like gift cards, like holiday cards for people mm -hmm. who, who bought the, the tasting kit for, mm -hmm. for Christmas. And I just sent out I don't know, like a, a hundred of them so far, but yeah, I'm still working through them. Yeah. Um, but I was just so excited to see, you know, a few men that were purchasing the, the kits for, for women, for their wives or girlfriends uh, or, you know, uh, whoever just as gifts. And I, I don't think, you know, 10 years ago or, you know, 12 years ago when I first started in the industry that, that you would have seen that. Um, right. Yeah, I, I think that it's really amazing to see that shift in consumers. And I really have seen a huge um, change in um, women in production and, and the visibility right. and yeah. the recognition that, that women in production yeah. are getting. I'm definitely trying to grow my personal network um, with women who have accomplished amazing things. And I think what we often talk about between us is how to throw the rope back and start, you know, pulling other, other women up um, into the spotlight so and, you know, into these important positions, um, getting those experiences. Um, I, I really thought that this year in 2020, I was going to start a mentorship program. And mm -hmm. I, I, that's my new goal for, for 2021. Right. You know, when I was working for Castle and Key, and I think particularly because of the highlight in that, that documentary, a lot of young women and, and young chemical engineers were, were reaching out to me and, and just wanting to connect and pick my brain about how I was able to navigate the industry as a, as a woman. Yeah, um, right. I, for Eve's Blind, you know, I, I think there's, an, there's a, a, a larger purpose to the kit that I'm, I'm not uh, talking about as much right now, but at the end, after all the kits are out, at the culmination of the program, um, there is a a surprise, that aha moment that I think also ties into um, a, a shift in the mentality and the way that we talk about bourbon in the industry and, and who's involved. Okay, cool. I mean, and, and when you, and when you want to drop that shift, you know, come back on black and brown and tell us about it. I mean, this is the place where it's not uncommon. You want to break the ground here. Yeah. I think that's and what, cool. And what's, what's, what's amazing about that is that there are so many women that follow our podcast that follow yeah. our Instagram. Yes, sir. Shout out to hashtag whiskey girl gang. Yep. I mean, there's just, I mean, so it's, it's ripe for the picking. So I applaud you for leading that charge. That's fantastic. Yeah, no doubt. Thank you so much. No doubt. Bill, tell you, you want to tell your story? Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> my first trip to Kentucky, right? So we were, um, we were scared, you know, scared to come to Castle and Key. So we were late getting to Castle and Key. So one of the guys who organized the whole trip was, was really mad at us for being late because we got lost looking at the, you know, the countryside of Kentucky. So we going through our tour. Who comes around the corner? You. You come around <laughs> the corner and you had a sample of a bear. I guess you were tasting it. So you came around the corner and you had that sample with you and you said, hey, do you guys want to taste it? 
And we were like, hell yes, we want to taste it. <laughs> so you pass that sample around, the, you know, the guys in our group, and, and we, we all took pictures with you, and they were just a very intimate, um, I guess, uh, just thing that happened. It was one of those things, very organic. It was one of those things that it wouldn't have happened if we were on time. Right. You know what I mean? So because we were late, you know, we got to meet you. And like I said, I had just saw Neat. So seeing you was like, you know, icing on the cake for me. Yeah. And he's been stalking you ever since. Ever since. Ever since. <laughs> and, it's, and it's funny because that's the same way we met Freddie last year. We were late going yeah. to Buffalo Trace, and we met him in the parking lot. But to his point with that story, shortly after that, he sent me that picture. And I was I like, sent the picture, you, yeah. you have got to be kidding me, dude. Yeah, dude. I'm telling you, I sent that picture to anyone who cared. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, buy, anyone a, lotto, who's in the bourbon got that buy a lotto ticket right now. <laughs> yes, sir. It was... It was fantastic because I think, I mean, Council McKee had just opened up, I guess. I mean, you guys were still working through some of your challenges with, you know, with the space and you guys were walking us through and it was a very good experience going through Castle and Key and seeing some of your stuff, but it was, it was more special to, you know, meet you for, you know, for the first time. So. I really appreciate you saying that. And yeah, yes, ma'am. That. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> so, so Marianne, wait, you, you, um, you travel around the country with your partner in the circus. So when mm-hmm. outside opens back up, I mean, I don't know if you guys are traveling now with certain restrictions and whatnot, you know, as safe as possible. You have a, a young daughter. But do you get to Connecticut at all when you're traveling? Do you check out any of the distilleries up here? <laughs> I'm just saying. Hill, Hill Rocks in New York, you know, there's some distilleries here. Yeah, I hear you. There's some fantastic distillers up yeah. there. So Kevin is from uh, that area. He was okay. born up there, grew up in New Jersey and New York. Yep. Um, so we, we get up there to visit family occasionally. Um, the circus doesn't typically make it all the way up there, though. Yeah, so so with, with that question, I mean, when you're going around, I, I saw you travel, you like to check in on distilleries and, mm-hmm. and, and talk to them. And of course, them knowing who you are, of course, they would want to talk to you, potentially work with you. Down the line, is there a chance that there will be like your distillery i oh. I, do, I do see that in my future you know ah. I mean, it's oh, years nice. or 10 years but i yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I i can see a uh um eve's distillery and yes i was gonna ask if you had a name there it is no. <laughs> i love it that's dope that is awesome so growing up in uh, tennessee i guess or born in tennessee and i guess growing up in kentucky now would you be interested in doing any of that tennessee process type stuff or is it going to be straight you know straight corporate no, I, I, um, I've definitely been interested in, in testing out some different uh, influences of the Lincoln County process and see yeah. what that would do to different styles of, of bourbon. Like, what if I put some Kentucky bourbon, like that was truly made in Kentucky through yeah. a, a charcoal mellowing process, and and uh, how, what it really is the the influence. Like, I know that it it strips out some stuff, so it, it doesn't. Right. It's, it's a little less harsh, less immature before it goes into the barrel. The Tennessee whiskey is. Yeah. Um, so yeah, absolutely. I, I think that there's there's lots of opportunity still to make you know, experimental, innovative things in, in our industry. And, and we don't have to be, you know, so rigid about the, the rules and the heritage. Oh, I love it. Fantastic. I like it. I like it. So, I, I mean, I don't, I don't want the interview to end. I mean, sometimes it has to come to an end. But um, I, I wanted to ask a question, a, a final question, if I could, about, you know, you talked about the heritage. So that kind of leads to this. So there's a distillery out there now that's doing some, 
I, I don't want to name them because I don't want anybody to take, you know, take our opinion one way or the other, but um, they're doing some accelerated process with aging their bourbon. Do you think that's going to be helpful or harmful to the industry? And, and how do you think those flavors will be, you know, from, from your perspective? To me, it's, it's a different product. Yeah. To me, it's classifying it as a bourbon I think it should. I mean, it is technically it is. Yeah, because but it, it in the barrel for uh-huh. a minute. Right. Yeah, like <laughs> it just passes seconds. through. Yeah, yeah literally. <laughs> Put in the barrel, dip it out. Uh-huh. <laughs> a little, little pressure, some wood chips, boom, bottled. Right. Yeah. But I, you know, I, I think that being very clear about the differences in the flavor and what that process creates, mm-hmm. like saying that we can create the twenty-year-old bourbon profile in five minutes. I think that that really diminishes the effort and the beauty of what a lot of these really amazing producers do. And you, you see the new the wave of craft distillers. These guys are breaking their back, doing grain to glass and putting it in the barrel and trying to do it the right way for somebody to come and come and say, you know, you're, you're an idiot. You could do this a lot cheaper and a lot faster. I just don't think that it, it doesn't set with me in, in some ways. However, I will say, there, there's probably a place for it. Mm-hmm. It's like the way the in the tequila world, there's all different kinds of ways that you can make tequila, yeah. and some are going to taste better in a te- or, you know you won't miss it if it's not a nice tequila if it goes into a tequila sunrise. Versus mm-hmm. you know if, if you're drinking something that that's nicer if you're drinking it on the rocks. Yeah. And I think the same with bourbon. Like if you're just making a canned cocktail um, versus you know something that that people are really meant to enjoy. I think just um, just finding its place and its its purpose okay so not that i'm saying this all crap but yeah it's not gangster dog it's not gangster no, <laughs> we, no, we not. tend to agree so <laughs> yeah we, yeah we because you know you know bourbon is meant to be you know enjoyed not yeah. you know like a, a, a speedy process yeah and you don't want to diminish what they're already doing out there i mean if you correct you're doing it better but Come on, respect the process. Mm-hmm. Correct. So what, so what are you, I mean, you talked about what you're trying to do, throwing the rope back, bringing people with you. So so what do you see your legacy as, as we, you know, go forward, as you go forward? What What's your legacy going to be in the bourbon world? The one thing that, that's come up um, a little bit recently is developing my brand. You know, I, I'm creating this blind tasting kit and also kind of going back and revisiting my, my personal branding. What do I want it to stand for? What are some like, you know, keywords that, that I want people to use to associate with me and, and quality is always one. Um, I, I wouldn't, when people think about me and what I've contributed, I, I hope that they always um, think about quality and that I was thoughtful and that, you know, I, I never um, <clears throat> did anything that, that would lower the standard of mm-hmm. the industry. I think another thing that I, I really want to stand for is my own, you know, personal values, which um, definitely include inclusion and diversity and um, making sure that Everybody who who wants you know to to get in it doesn't have those um, barriers. Whether they're, 
I don't know. <laughs> no, go ahead. No, 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 no. Hey, ex- this is a very safe space. Very yeah, safe. This is a safe space here. Yeah, safest. <laughs> you know, it, it's uh, it's been such a traditional um, industry that looks one way. Yeah. There's yeah. one particular true. type of individual who's yeah, running the yeah. distillery. Yeah, that's true. And I would love to continue to uh, put effort in, in in making a difference there. Um, I, I made a comment uh, briefly and was trolled to no end for it. But, you know, I, I do want to contribute more to the, the diversity of the industry. And, and, you know, I didn't feel actually like I would have the, my, I wouldn't be able to take full advantage of the opportunity that I have to make a difference if I was just staying at one distillery and making two, uh, to be very frank, two white men more successful. If right. I had the opportunity to create my own distillery and, and choose the teams that, that I wanted to, to have there, then I can contribute in a, in a much more meaningful way. Yeah, so I, think, I think that makes oh, a lot of sense, and that speaks very highly to your brand. Yes, and you have, yes, you have three allies, and you have three fans yep, here for yeah, sure. Yeah. And, um, not, and not only do you have three allies, but we see you as an ally uh, for us. Yeah, so facts. you know, I've I've been following you for a while. I've I see all of your posts, and this was, you know, this was a this was a challenging year, and you took a stand, and you became an ally for people yeah. in other communities, and we we want to let you know we appreciate that. So, yeah, no doubt. Yep. I yeah, agree with that 100%. That. Well, so, so tell our listeners where they can find you at if they choose to to not stalk you, but follow you on Instagram, <laughs> where they can get where they can get. The I mean, come on, dog. Really? I mean, that, I mean, no, that, I mean, that don't, hurt. Just don't feel bit. guilty, dog. Not, not I mean, a shout I mean, you know, hey, I have hey. her notifications on alert too. But so tell them where they can find you. Tell them where they can find you. Tell them where they can find the Eve's blind, and you know, however you want them to get at you online or follow your social media, interact, whatever. Shout them out. I'm, I'm definitely most active on, on Instagram. So that's Marianne BMD bourbon master distiller, um, Eve's blind. Initially Eve's blind was members only, but I decided to open it up. So anybody that wants to follow that account, come on over. Um, I do also do Facebook, just not, not nearly as much. Um, as far as getting in touch with me, uh, Instagram messenger, or, um, I've got, the Eve's Blind website, and you can email me through the the contact page or my consulting website, which is MarianneEves.com, um, and it's info at MarianneEves. So anybody you know that that might have a distillery that's interested in, in chatting about some process or product uh, development, um, definitely definitely interested in in that that type of work as well. That's fire. Start on and, them, start and bring on it, them. bring your checkbook because she just stunned on you. Yeah, well, she stunned. I mean, that was a, a big time, low key stuff too. Yeah. So, so black and brown. We just we just leveled up tonight. We had Marianne Eves, Master Distiller, yes, Kentucky's first uh, female Master so Distiller great, on the show. You know what I'm saying? Such Still, a huge fan. Silverback got to get out some aggression. You know what I'm saying? He got to get it out. <laughs> yes. Delvin Joyce got to start some football, and I was here just to witness it all. You know what I mean? He pulled out the guitar. But as always, you can find us on Apple. If you go to Apple. Go in there, review, you know, five stars. But if you can't do five stars, do five stars. You know, go over to Anchor, leave us a voicemail, and we'll be back next week with another interview for you. Delvin, take us out, baby. Stay black and keep it brown. Amen. Oh, All righty. <laughs> <laughs>